0: Uh, as you remain seated, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 19, it's page 879 in the Pew uh, Bibles. We'll be we'll begin this morning in in verse 45. We read the Palm Sunday passage from Matthew, and we've looked at that a few times over the last few years in Luke. And we come in at verse 45. So Jesus has entered Jerusalem, and now he's entering the temple itself. So let me read uh, the passage for us here. Uh, Would you hear then the word of the Lord? And he entered the temple As Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders came up and said to him, Tell us, by what authority do you do these things? Or who is it that gave you this authority? He answered them, I also will ask you a question. Now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven... He will say, why did you not believe him? But if we say from man, all the people will stone us to death, for they are convinced that John was a prophet. And so they answered that they did not know where it came from. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And this is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Who, who am I? is a question that every human has to wrestle with. Uh, For millennia, humans have wondered, uh, Who am I? What am I made to be? What am I made to do? We've always asked this question, and on a human level, especially since we live in a world where we're born in sin and we need a Savior, uh, this isn't a simple question, Um, and and people have turned to various places to sort of find an answer. Who, Who am I? What's my identity? Uh, Many authors now have pointed out that this has always been a difficult question in one sense, but it's it's a more difficult question today than it ever has been, Uh, because some of the various places that we would go uh, to say, who am I, Uh, our family of origin, or the place that we live, or the society we find ourselves in. Uh, uh, elders that can speak to us, traditions that we can look to. Again, none of those being perfect, but uh, all of those being sounding boards to help us say, who am I? I have sort of slowly gone by the wayside. And so people uh, are grappling with, who am I? And it's as if uh, you know, maybe once we were like a, a ship that was moored, that, that had its anchor down, and surely it would go out to sea from time to time, but then it would come back in and, and put the anchor down. It, it's as if we've cut the rope to the anchor and said, I have no need of this anchor, and now we're stuck at sea wondering, who am I? Now, what we see today is Jesus Christ, our Savior. And certainly a different sermon could say, look look to him and he's going to give you your identity. He's going to answer, who am I? But but I would say even before that, what we see in this text is uh, Jesus is the only human being who could confidently know and answer the question, who am I? In other words, Jesus didn't have an existential crisis. He knew who he was. He knew what he came to do. He was anointed. That's what Christ means. He was anointed by God. God the Father said, I'm well pleased in you. He said to everyone around him, listen to him. I've set him apart for this work. Jesus knew the work to be done. Uh, He knew who he was before time and who he had uh, uh, been created as a man to do. And so even as we grapple with who am I, we need to look to Jesus who knew who he was and therefore knows who who he is for you if you belong to him. We're going to see three aspects of Jesus' identity this morning. We're going to see that he is a priest, a great high priest. We're going to see that he is a prophet, the prophet. And we're going to see that he is king, the king of kings and lord of lords. Your call this morning is to find life at Jesus' feet. To find life at Jesus' feet. All throughout the Gospel of Luke, those who get it are those who find themselves at Jesus' feet. Either bowing down to him as king, or coming to anoint his feet and find healing as priest, or sitting at his feet to hear his every word as a disciple. Would you find your life as you fall at Jesus' feet this morning? So first we see Jesus the priest uh, Jesus the priest, you know, Palm Sunday, we emphasize his kingship, and rightly so. He, he comes into Jerusalem. Everyone's crying out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, the Pharisees tell Jesus, rebuke your disciples. Are you going to let them praise you like this? And in essence, Jesus says, yes, I am. <laughs> uh, Jesus' identity is becoming more and more clear as he gets closer and closer to the cross. His time is coming. This is the beginning of his last week, his last week earthly here on earth in his ministry. And so he receives the praise from adults, from children as king. But we see in verse 45 that he immediately shows himself not just to be the king, but to be the the priest, the great high priest. He comes into the temple, into the temple, which is uh, overseen by the chief priest. We're going to meet them in just a moment in our passage. Uh, The priests were anointed by God to to oversee the temple, to make sure things were done uh, in a pure way according to God's law. God's worship, the sacrifices, all of this would happen here at the temple. This was the center of life for the Jewish people by God's design. Jerusalem would have been overflowing during this time as people had come from far and wide, some of them only this one time a year to celebrate the Passover. Uh, as the Passover lamb was sacrificed and the meals that were associated with that. And it's to that Jerusalem that Jesus comes. And it's during that crowded time that he comes to the temple. And we see that he shows himself to be one with authority as a priest. He comes in and, and you see Luke's a little bit more tame with his language. He's focusing a little bit differently. Matthew says, what does he do? He flips over tables and I only noticed this morning reading it, not just tables, but the chairs they were sitting on. <laughs> he flips over the table, and then he's like, hey, stand up. And then he flips over the chair. <laughs> uh, he, he makes whips and drives them out. Is this how we typically picture Jesus? But again, his, his time is short. He is showing himself. This is who I am. I am the chief priest. I'm the one with authority. He says here, this is uh, my house. And elsewhere he says, this is my father's house. A chief priest doesn't say that. A chief priest has authority in God's house, but he would never say, this is my house. Or even dare to say, this is my father's house. But Jesus does just that. And so we see Jesus as priest shows up, and as it were, he cleans house. Driving out the corruption that's happening. And what was that? He calls them, uh, he, he says that they're acting like a den of robbers. This language comes from Isaiah 56, uh, where in Isaiah 56, starting in verse 6, it talks about the foreigners who would come and, and join with God's people. Joyfully, God says, in my house of prayer to bring their burnt offerings. He says, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. For all peoples. In Jeremiah 7 verses 1 through 11 it's a, it's a long indictment of god's people and the corruption uh, but to summarize he tells them to amend their ways and their deeds uh, because they're sinning and sinning and sinning but then they say things like this is the temple of the lord this is the temple of the lord we have nothing to fear we have the temple and he says wait a minute Uh, If you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice on one another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, and shed innocent blood, if you do not go after other gods, if you continue doing these things, then your deceptive words will not prevail. You can't bless me with your mouth and then steal and murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, and serve other gods. And then come and stand before me in my house and say, we are delivered. Only to go on doing these same abominations. And then we have the words that Jesus speaks. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? So he's calling out the sins of the people and the inconsistency. And this is what the great high priest does. To the judgment of those who reject him, to the joy of those who love him. Uh, who want their sin exposed so that he can uh, forgive and purify them. Uh, Specifically, uh, as Jesus flips over the money changers' uh, tables, what's going on is all these people would come to Jerusalem. They had sacrifices by the law to make. This was a good thing to do. Um, But uh, slowly over time, uh, the buying and selling of these animals encroached upon the temple itself. So that here, what's happening is uh, you had this outer court called the court of the Gentiles. And Gentiles weren't allowed to go any further into the temple, but there was a court for them where they can come and pray and worship the one true God. And that's where the money changers set up their tables, crowding out the worship of the nations. Uh, so, so therefore, uh, perverting God's purpose of, no, I, I want the nations to come to me and find life. And so they're, in essence, robbing them of their chance to worship. This is the temple that Jesus walks into. This is where Jesus cleans house as chief priest. And so would you fall at his feet as your priest, like the woman in Luke 7 who came to him and washed his feet and and begged forgiveness? Would you come to him for cleansing? It's available to you. Because by the end of this week, he went to the cross as the great high priest, but also the greatest sacrifice, the once-for-all sacrifice for sinners, so that any who put their trust in him would not only have forgiveness, but cleansing as he cleans house in our hearts. This is Jesus, your priest. Would you fall at his feet? Uh, Number two, Jesus is the prophet. Uh, He not only cleans house, but then he sets up shop in the temple. And he does what he's been doing throughout the gospel of Luke is he preaches the good news. You see that in verse 20, uh, chapter 20, verse 1, it says he was preaching the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, which he's been preaching this whole time. And then in uh, chapter 19, verse 47, he was teaching daily in the temple. Jesus is teaching and preaching. This is what he has come to do. That's what he tells us at the beginning of Luke. But he's not just a prophet. He's not just a good teacher who happens to know his Bible really well. He's the prophet. The prophet. Remember Moses in Deuteronomy says that there's going to come a day where someone like me is going to come. Sort of a prophet of prophets. When that day comes, listen to him. And what does God say on the Mount of Transfiguration? Moses is there this great Old Testament prophet, Elijah, that sort of summarizes the prophets of the Old Testament. And God, in in the presence of the disciples, looks to Jesus and says, this is my son, listen to him. He's the prophet. He's the prophet. He's the prophet of prophets because he's not just the prophet, he's the message of the prophet. What does John call him but the word of God? The word which was there in the beginning. How did God create everything but by speaking? By speaking. And Jesus is the Word of God. Hebrews tells us uh, He's spoken to us in many ways, uh, through various means, through various prophets. But now, in this day, He has spoken to us by His Son. There's a finality. When you read your Bible, uh, it's the Word of the Lord, meaning Jesus Himself, through the Spirit, coming to you. He is the prophet. And some of the people get it. They are hanging on His every word. They want to hear more. They want to hear more. He cleaned house. He sets up shop, and they say, "Teach us, Lord." But as we'll see in a moment, not everybody hangs on his words. We'll see in the third point that the chief priests question him. But here, I want to ask you: Do you hang on his every word? Is he is he simply a good teacher? Are you impressed by his teaching? There's many people impressed by Jesus' teaching. They, they sort of put him on the shelf with some of the greats of world history. Is that who he is to you? Because if you look at what he teaches, it's not just that he has some wisdom. It's that he's the word of God. Has he spoken to you? Do you hang on his every word? Do you believe that you live not by bread alone, but by every word that comes from his mouth? I pray that you would. I pray that you'd be like Mary who sat at Jesus' feet, which is the posture of a disciple. A disciple sits at the rabbi's feet and says, teach me, I'm ready. (laughs) Correct me if need be, teach me. Give me the promises of God, all of it. Give me the words of life because I need life. Is this your prophet? Number three, Jesus the king Jesus the king, we see some people are hanging on his every word. Some are excited that he's coming into Jerusalem, but not everybody. We see the chief priests, the principal men of the city, the scribes. Uh, There's some debate on who exactly all of these different people are, but really these are the powers that be. These are those who have authority in Jesus' day, religious authority. Uh, the chief priests would be the ones, as we said, that would have authority over the happenings of the temple. They were called to steward the ministry of the temple and the sacrifices. And, and, and in a real sense, they were, they were very much had uh, the most authority, religiously speaking. Uh, the scribes would have been associated more with the Pharisees, who we've seen much in the Gospel of Luke. We haven't heard as much about the chief priests yet, but it makes sense. Jesus comes into Jerusalem, starts flipping tables in the temple Uh, The chief priests are going to have something to think about that. Uh, And then it says the principal men of the city. We think these would have been elders very much in a similar way that we have elders in our church. Uh, These would have been lay leaders um, put over the people. And so in in one sense, this is just a summary way of saying that the authorities in Jesus' day are seeing what Jesus is doing and they want to trap him. Uh, They want to have him killed. Just as Jesus is being more clear about his mission they're being more clear about their intentions. They want to see him die. But there's a problem. The people are hanging on his every word. They don't feel free that they can do this. And so they come to Jesus in chapter 20. Uh, as he, uh, one day as Jesus was teaching in the temple, and they come up to him, perhaps interrupting his teaching. I don't know, but sort of the audacity. They come up to the rabbi, the teacher, the prophet, and they give him a command. They say, tell us. <laughs> By what authority do you do these things? Or who it is that gave you? Who is it that gave you this authority? They, they want to trap Jesus. They want to trap him in his words. But what do we see Jesus say? Uh, he flips the trap. As the book of Proverbs says, that you know, the unrighteous will fall into their own trap. Uh, they're trying to set a trap, and Jesus sets it right back on them. He gives them a command. Now tell me. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Do you see the trap? They saw the trap. Uh, the, uh, the so-called authorities get it. <laughs> Immediately, they discuss among themselves, and they realize, ooh, the trap has been uh, uh, twisted on us because if we say that John the Baptist's ministry was from heaven, which is just another reverent way of saying from God, then he's going to turn and say, then why don't you believe him? Isn't it your job to listen to prophets from God? (laughs) It's like your one job. (laughs) So they get that. Okay, we can't say that, nor do we believe that. But we can't go the other way. And we can't say, well, we think that John's ministry was just from man. He's just a man. Maybe a good teacher, but just a man. Because the people think he's a prophet. And the people will stone us to death. And I think they mean that. And so it's interesting well, at first I love, I think in Matthew uh, it, it, it says, you know, they confer among themselves and then you picture them coming back to Jesus and they're ready with their answer. What's their answer? We don't know. <laughs> it's a good authoritative answer. And so they really show themselves to be fools. They show themselves uh, to, to not truly have authority uh, because it's not that they're confused. They know what they believe. They believe that John is not truly a prophet, at least in this sense. But they are unwilling to say that because they're afraid of the people. Is that the leadership that God's people desired? Leaders that would just bow to their every whim, that cared more about their position than speaking the truth? Well, that's not who Jesus is. Uh, Jesus is not like them. He not only is all wise and trapping them in their words, but He is all powerful, He has all authority, He is the King the king of Israel, whose prophet, priest, and king, all these various roles in the Old Testament found now fully in this one man, fully God, fully man, Jesus Christ, who has all authority. Jesus doesn't answer. He doesn't feign to answer their question. By what authority do you do this? Uh, Because, again, the proverb says, you know, don't answer a fool according to their folly. What if Jesus did answer? I think we know the answer. Jesus knew the answer. By what authority? And Jesus says that he does everything he does in obedience to his Father. He was sent by his Father, uh, his God and our God. He has divine authority as the divine king. He has authority to do what? He has authority to preach In such a way that people ask, who is this? He doesn't teach like these other teachers we know. He's preaching the very word of God. He has authority to heal. He has authority to drive out demons. Demons, his enemies, hear his voice and say, yes, sir, and they leave. He has authority to command the oceans and the waves and the storms. Creation hears his voice and says, yes, sir, and obeys. He has authority to resurrect people from the dead. He has authority to forgive sins. Not just say, it's okay. No, to say your sins are forgiven categorically to the point where the leaders of his time say, only God can do that. And Jesus says, "Uh uh-huh, I forgive your sins. Oh, and by the way, you're healed also. He has authority to appoint the apostles who would go out to the ends of the earth. He has authority to anoint the apostles with the Holy Spirit, to breathe upon them, and the Spirit falls upon them. And they are willing then, uh, these men who by the end of this week will abandon him in fear, eventually all but one of them will go and will die for the faith, because the Spirit is on them. He has the authority of a great high priest, the chief prophet, the only king, He has authority, as he says, to lay down his own life. Jesus is not a victim of Holy Week. It was his time to come to Jerusalem. And he marched in as a king. And he laid down his life. And his authority didn't end there. He has authority to take up his life again. He had authority to to ascend to the Father's throne and he sits down there now at the right hand of God, the position of power, all things being put under his feet. That's the kind of authority that this Jesus has as prophet, priest, and king. That's who Jesus is. Who do you need him to be? If this is who he is, Who do you need him to be today, this week? Perhaps you need him. Perhaps you need him to be your priest. Perhaps you need to fall at his feet and find healing, find forgiveness. Perhaps you need to come to him and say, Lord, I'm not okay. I need you to hold me fast. Like the woman who came at his feet weeping and everyone else scoffed, uh, but Jesus didn't. Perhaps you need to come to him in that way. Perhaps you need him to be your prophet. God, I need you to speak words of life into my life. Your word is full of promises, but I need to know that your promises are true. I need you to speak into my life with the same authority, the same voice that commanded the waves and that drove out the demons. I need you to drive out sin in my life. I need you to speak promises by the Spirit into my life in such a way that I can grab hold of them, that are like a steadfast anchor for my soul because I'm tossing back and forth. What do I do? Speak, Lord, into my life. Be my chief prophet. Or perhaps you need him to be your king. To give you marching orders. God, give me marching orders again. I've, I've forgotten. I've gone off the path. Or I've forgotten the joy that comes when I just bow down to you. And you tell me what to do. And you remind me that I'm part of the kingdom going to the ends of the earth. Command me, Lord. Remind me who I am in Christ. And then send me out to do your will. Well, Jesus is prophet, he is priest, he is king, and if you put your faith in him, he is all of these for you. Would you find life at his feet today and this week? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, that by the Spirit it brings uh, to us Jesus himself, our great prophet, our great priest, our great king, I pray, Lord, that we would find life at his feet, that you would give us life by your word, by your spirit, by all who Christ is for us. i be with us this week as we prepare, as we head with Jesus toward the cross. Lord, would you awaken our hearts to serve the living God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.